Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. It's Sam from Midland, Texas, and I was calling y'all because I'm kind of new to opening up a Roth IRA. I didn't know who to open it with. I'm looking forward to y'all's answer on the podcast. And provides unbiased answers. Well, I would go with something like Fidelity or Schwab or TD Ameritrade or E-Trade. I can't tell you which one is going to be the best for you because they're all going to be different in their pros and their cons. Investor. Over 35 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in, and I'm going to do my very best to make this an informative show, an educational show, and help you take that next step in your path towards your own version of financial freedom. And we are solidly here into the fall, and rain or shine, day or night, we are here to to help you, um, and you have to be thinking about making good investment decisions, good money decisions each and every day, and that's what we are here to help you do. So our mission statement was, is always independent thinking and shared success, here to give you a perspective based on the facts, not just the narrative, uh, but the, the facts and the experience of over 20 plus years of investment experience that I have. Uh, I'm going to give you the facts as I see them and my opinion without bias, whether I'm talking about a stock, a sector, a strategy, whatever it is, I'm here to help. So I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And you can interact with me right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time. Or you can leave a message on our Anytime Voice Bank. Same number is 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve or Justin Klein. It's Sam from Midland, Texas. And I was calling y'all because I'm kind of new to opening up a Roth IRA, or I'm going to open one, but I didn't know who to open it with. I'm either thinking Vanguard or Fidelity or Charles Schwab. I really don't know who to go with. So I'm going to start maxing it out every year you guys could just point me in the right direction that'd be great i'm looking forward to y'all's answer on the podcast thanks bye well i would go with something like fidelity or schwab or td ameritrade or e-trade uh and uh, one probably one of those four now i can't tell you which one is going to be the best for you because they're all going to be different in their pros and their cons um, they're all going to be free commissions for, uh, equity trading. Uh, but if you're going to buy options, uh, you're going to buy mutual funds, you're going to buy, uh, bonds, which, you know, you're, you're just starting out. So you're probably not doing bonds, but there are other factors to consider than just the equity, uh, the equity, uh, cost of trading. Uh, so there's other things like fees to move money. Um, and then research and data that you can get. I know TD Ameritrade has a great uh, platform called Thinkorswim that is really good for charting and uh, doing research and, and all that. Uh, and maybe you want to go that route because that's what you want to get access to. 
Um, so you really just need to do your research and find out what you want your broker to have um, the strengths in, whether that's customer service, whether that's ease of use, maybe they have a link to your bank, things like that. But just stick with one of those four that I mentioned, uh, and I think you'll do all right either way. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Small caps kick off November, ra- November with a rally. And the small cap focused Russell 2000 rose nearly 3% on Monday, pause yesterday, and then had another strong day today. And it's starting to catch up to the, uh, to the S&P uh, for the year. And we're going to dig into what that could mean for equities going into the final month and a half or so of the year. So that's what's on my mind. Also, I want to touch on uh, OPEC and how they could change the the market. But I, the big story, which I really, really want to get into, is this new system of a carbon tax. And this is going to change uh, some, some major commodity markets, I think, in uh, such as steel, aluminum, cement, fertilizer. And these are areas that the U.S. and the EU are targeting to try to reduce carbon emissions. And that could change, like I said, change the dynamics of those markets dramatically. And some companies are definitely going to benefit more than others. Uh, so we're going to look at that as well. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. 8899 chart, 8899 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's check out on the market. Today was Fed Day, and the announcement was exactly what was expected, which was no change in interest rates, starting of the tapering this month, $15 billion uh, per month. Uh, the, I guess the only major news was that they also said they're going to do it next month. They promised basically tapering this month and next month and hinted that they'll continue at that pace, uh, but they'll reassess really, um, probably meeting by meeting. So there is another meeting next month. Remember it's every about six weeks. So a little bit before Christmas, you'll get another meeting from the Fed. Uh, and then they'll probably project out what to do for January as well. So certainly kind of meeting by meeting, uh, whether that tapering is going to continue. So that's A. B, they, they, there was a press conference, talked a bit about uh, inflation, didn't really give a whole lot of indication that they were going to be hawkish on inflation. It was kind of a dovish tapering. But it did hint that their, the, the rate hike, Till they actually raise rates won't be till the back half of next year. Some are thinking December. The markets are actually looking at September as the most likely time frame when interest rates will go up. Now, what did the market do in reaction? Well, it had a pretty strong reaction. Typically, the first move is the wrong move. Not today so far. Uh, the market closed, the S&P closed up about 30 points, about two-thirds of 1%. The Russell 2000, that was the strongest index, up 42 points, uh, almost 2% on, on that front. And then you had the NASDAQ, that was up 161 points, a little over 1%. So... Uh, you know, strong reaction. Gold was up on the reaction, although in the day it was down, but uh, it certainly reacted positively to kind of the dovish tapering. And we'll see how we, if we get some follow through uh, tomorrow. Remember, a lot of times there's a two or three day uh, period where the market's trying to figure out what this will mean for, uh, you know, earnings for the coming year, uh, the interest rate environment. And 
you're seeing that here that the, the TNX, the uh, the 10 year that was up three basis points. So will that break out? I think that will be uh, interesting to see in the coming next week or so. Do we get a new high or does it start to try to trend towards new highs uh, by the end of the year? Now we're heading into a quick break. John from West Virginia, hang on. You will be next here on Invest Talk at 888 chart. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Let's go talk to John in West Virginia looking at Pinnacle West Capital. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own some of it and um, I'm down probably about 12% on it. And uh, I'm looking to double down on it maybe, but um, maybe it's one of those things where you say, well, what's wrong with this thing? What am I, what am I not, not seeing here? Um, just in a dividend portfolio and looks like it has a pretty good yield and pretty good earnings. And I'm just trying to figure out what, what I might be missing. Interesting. Okay. Well, this is Pinnacle West. It is a utility, a vertically integrated electric utility that serves 1.3 million customers in central Arizona, mainly Phoenix. It owns or leases more than six gigawatts of power capacity, including a 29% ownership stake in, a, in the largest nuclear plant in the U.S., Palo Verde. And about half of the electricity that apps uh, supplies to customers come from clean energy sources, including nuclear. So that's interesting. What is happening? I, I don't know what the catalyst is. I haven't looked at this name in a while. I will say we have owned this for clients years ago, but you know it's been been a while. So I haven't taken kind of a fresh look at this. What I will say is the right now is not a good time to be in utilities. Interest rates are, are yeah. rising. The co- input costs to uh, produce electricity are going up. And I think that may be the issue that maybe they can't pass along uh, enough of their costs to their customers. That certainly uh, could be a factor here. Um, you know, I definitely wouldn't be doubling down on it uh, until I really understand what's driving this. Looks like yeah, there's there's a there's a recent report they lost a commission votes. Uh okay. Oh, this is what it is. They've the remember, utilities are regulated. And they regu the, the good thing about utilities is that the dividends pretty safe. Um, their profitability is always consistent because it's legislated in that they're allowed to earn a certain return on equity. And the Arizona Public Service will cut their allowed return on equity from from ten percent to eight point seven percent. That's the issue here. Is gotcha. is Very much. you have regulatory over. issues, <laughs> and and where this re rates, it could definitely go lower. Um, so I would just move on. Um, you know, the, clearly the regulators are not on their side. And this is shareholders are taking the brunt of it and you're a shareholder. So that's what you're seeing here. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Small caps kick off a November rally. 
And small caps are up strongly this month and up about 19%. We'll call about 22%, I'd say, after uh, today. And this is important for the strength of the market. Every rolling three-month period since 1979, when the Russell is up, the S&P 500 has also been up 92% of the time. So there's a very strong correlation. We know that. We know that. But remember, Russell 2000, you're talking about 2000 stocks. And it's much more broad-based than the S&P, the NASDAQ. Uh, it's, it's, it typically is more cyclical, tends to outperform when the economy is healthy and growing. And in fact, it's up about 9% this quarter alone. And this is all resting on the idea that maybe small caps do have pricing power. Maybe that the fact that they can't find enough workers means that means that the productivity gains are going to be very strong. Remember, this is a more domestically focused index. S&P, the large cap indexes, those typically are companies that have revenues all over the world. In fact, I think it's 70, 30% of S&P revenues come overseas. For small caps, it's 90% plus. And so the fact that this is starting to catch up brings even more bullishness to the back half of or the back half of this quarter. I mean, we're we're nearly halfway done with this quarter. Isn't that crazy? Not a whole lot uh, left in the year. Uh, rapidly approaching uh, Thanksgiving. And with all the problems with inflation, the wage gains, which have been good, but they have not kept up with inflation. And that's actually good for corporations. Maybe bad for individuals who are not seeing the amount of wage increases to compensate for the cost they're seeing on a day-to-day basis. But what that means is if prices in the economy are going up, that means companies' revenues are going up that amount as well. They're raising their prices. And they're not having – they can't find enough workers. And the workers they're paying now, they're just working them harder. And not paying paying them more but not – so much more that's eating in the profits. And I think that's part of the bullish scenario you're seeing in the markets right now. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. With all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that you must keep your eye on your goals, your goal of financial freedom. And it's going to look different than your neighbors, your cousins, your brothers. Your income is going to be different. When you want to retire, what you want to do in retirement, all going to be different. Your risk tolerance is likely to be different. So that means your strategy has to be different as well. And that's what we're here to help you with, developing that strategy and making sound decisions. So we should talk about whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at Verizon. Yes, hi. Um, 
Justin. Yes, uh, I own shares, um, and I'm looking at the price and close to what it was in March of 2020. I'm thinking maybe this is a good time to pick up more shares for the dividend, of course. Okay, well, I what you think? Well, here's the question: Is how much of it do you own as a percentage of your overall portfolio? Uh, less than one percent. Okay, of the overall. Okay, yeah, so not a large. Percentage. Yeah, so I will say it is relatively attractively valued right now. Um, the issue is twofold. Uh, there is. Uh, rising interest rates and this is kind of a bond proxy because it's not a fast growing company uh, it's in a mature competitive right. environment uh and so you're going to get some headwinds if interest rates continue to go up and that's part of the reason why this has gone down another is rising inflation uh, i think they have poor purchasing power because it's a very competitive market you have t-mobile uh bought sprint that's coming in and kind of undercutting them uh and they're kind of a pure play telecom provider and their cost of uh, their cost of labor is a big input to what they do, and so and the, the cost of rolling out five G uh, as well that's very expensive. So and mm -hmm. you know chips are getting more expensive. All of that, and that's the issue here. And I think that's the headwind that they're they're seeing. So I just don't think it's the best opportunity in the market. Frankly, uh, I think you can find better. Uh -huh. But if you really like Verizon, you just, you just want kind of that steady hand longer term, this is a pretty good price to get in. Um, I just don't think it's the best opportunity in the market right now. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Noel in Napa. And let's talk about insider trading. Yeah, good afternoon, Justin. Yeah, I, uh, I've talked to you before about uh, B&G Foods. And uh, it's broken out of its trading range this week. Uh, and... Uh, uh, it's been trading in a narrow place for quite a while, but this week it's uh, moving up, and and of course uh, it's uh, going to announce its earnings, I think, uh, on Thursday. So I don't know. To me, it looks like insider trading, but that's illegal. So would it be just we've got some smart investors or uh, people that want to get a hold of the uh, good dividend? Or what do you, what do you think is going on? No, what's happening here is what's happening uh, all over the market. You saw that with uh, Avis CAR going up uh, was a hundred percent yesterday. Um, AMC, I think, had a bit of a short squeeze. Um, you know, there's just there's just all the kind of highly shorted companies. GME, uh, GameStop uh, recently had another uh, move up from the one sixties all the way to the two fifty range uh, earlier today, um, and. That's B and G is just another one. It's, it's highly shorted, um, and it's getting that short squeeze, uh, and so that's really what you're seeing here. It's not insider trading. Uh, this happened back in January. Happened again in June, um, and ultimately, it's going to probably come back down uh, into the 30 range. So I would be using using this honestly as an opportunity to unload, uh, reduce my position, or eliminate it. Uh, you know, into the the mid 30s. I think 35 to 37 is a range that you'd probably want to be selling into uh, this move. So it's not insider trading. It's just simply a good old good old fashioned short squeeze. Thanks for the call. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them 
for the courtesy by getting to the questions quickly. So here's here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. M. Jonesy says, CPB Campbell Soup. This stock recently hit a 52-week high due to, due, to, due to eroding business. Let's see. That's CPB. Okay, 52-week low, I think. Yeah, there we go. With inflation on the rise and food price increases, do you think CPB might be an increase in sales growth? Um, I, I think, first off, one of the issues is bad comps. Everyone was buying canned goods during the pandemic, including Campbell's Soup. And so their business did very, very well post-pandemic. And as like as with most things that uh, are, are more COVID-driven uh, and not long-term secularly driven, this came back down to earth. Last two quarters, revenue growth down 11%. Earnings down 13% last quarter, 31% the quarter before. So earnings last year were almost $3. This year... Supposed to be two dollars and seventy six cents, and back up to two six two ninety two next year. Um, overall, I just not a huge fan of this name. Uh, it's not expensive; it's relatively cheap, and it is getting starting to get a bit. So I could easily see this rally right now around forty one uh, fifty or so. Uh, rally back up to forty five, absolutely, but just not a name I get super excited about. They have a decent amount of debt. Uh, there's a shift towards more eating fresh foods as opposed to canned foods. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Not anything that I would get, uh, interested in purchasing. Now the next and best talk, the story behind this headline, the fed holds rates near zero, yet some borrowing costs are already on the rise. Even though the federal reserve didn't raise its benchmark rate today, the days of low rates are maybe numbered and consumers can expect to pay a bit more. I'll walk through the twists and turns of that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Uh, I think there's likely a pullback here. 888-99-CHART. Let's say... You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. 
Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com. HackerOne.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
With inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar. And it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. But you've got to register. And now Steve and Justin are ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Harry in Modesto looking at Energizer Holdings. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. Okay. What um, uh, intrigues you about the name? <laughs> Uh, the, the dividend sounds good. I looked at the chart, like a five-year chart. It seems to have support around here. Um, I know they're doing some buybacks, but there's the PE's kind of high and their payout ratio is kind of high. And so is the business solid? Am I missing something? Or what, what can you give me? Well, first off, they do have a good amount of debt, about $3.5 billion in long-term debt and a market cap of $2.6 billion. If you look at their free cash flow, it, it is consistently positive, but there's not been much growth. In fact, it's it's shrank over the, the years. Uh, and I think that's the issue here is just lack of growth uh, on, on anything uh, measuring the, the business besides revenue. Uh, their margins have uh, – looks like they've, they've come down to – you know, pennies uh, or, you know, less than 1%. And their return on equity is now only 3% and they have high leverage. Um, so that's your issue here and why the payout ratio is very, very high. Uh, it, it, the payout ratio is high and that's not as much of a worry because, you know, earnings kind of, that they're going to be non-cash items. I like to look at cash dividend payout ratio, meaning what is their cash flow uh, compared to their dividend payout. And it's about 90%, meaning they only they pay out about 90% of their cash flow in earnings or in dividends, excuse me. And that's too high. So that's another reason why they haven't increased their dividend. Their dividend's been the same since 2019. Now, how much is this because of COVID? How much is this because of just battery producers around the world ramping up and, and better competition? I'm not sure. But it doesn't intrigue me, uh, really, at these valuations. I mean, you're talking about still a $2.6 billion market cap. They're, they're not really buying back shares anymore. In fact, their share count has increased. Uh, yeah, it's decreased a tiny bit recently, but uh, it's gone up over the past few years. And... The chart is into some support, but the overall trend, longer term, is down, making a series of lower highs and lower lows. So to me, this looks like more like a value trap than anything I would pass on Energizer Holdings. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You have about 20 minutes left to get your call in now. Now I want to touch on some very interesting developments in government policy uh, around climate change. And this doesn't, this has less to do with energy and more to do with things that produce a lot of carbon emissions. People often focus on the fossil fuel industry as a, the industry that produces the most CO2 uh, in the world. And the fact is that's not true. 
steel and the production of 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 metals of many kinds produce far more i don't say far more but more co2 than the oil and gas industry and the reason is is because it takes a lot of energy to produce these type of materials and policymakers are now looking at targeting steel industry chemicals cement and this could give a competitive advantage back to manufacturers in countries where emissions are relatively low, meaning they, they have production facilities that produce less carbon than in some of the developed markets. And this is kind of targeted at China, the largest producer of carbon in the world, carbon emissions. And this is something a lot of people don't understand is that not only have we exported a lot of our manufacturing to China and other countries, but we've also exported the emissions as well. And this is called a carbon tariff, also called a border adjustment, and it's intended to plug the hole in domestic policies that discourage carbon emissions. Because it's basically saying is, you know, the, the whole uh, argument is, well, you're putting these restrictions on domestic manufacturers that's upping their costs. And so naturally, they're not going to be able to compete with cheaper steel and other goods or other raw materials over, that are produced overseas with more primitive methods that produce more carbon emissions. And so they're trying to plug that hole and encourage buyers to import uh, 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 less expensive steel. Or sorry, these these the the current rules encourage buyers to import less expensive steel, potentially producing these higher emissions, and produce that uh, the the production to countries with less regulation. Now these tariffs would hit the economies of developing countries that are deeply reliant on exports like China. And some countries say the proposals are just protectionism in disguise, and you can certainly argue that. Now, an estimated one quarter of global greenhouse gases are produced by goods that cross borders. So that's basically saying those countries that have imported those goods, technically they've exported their carbon emissions. So many emissions that developed countries have claimed they've eliminated, they just simply outsourced it. Now, the plan that they unveiled on Saturday at the, uh, what was it, the COP36, I forgot the name of it exactly, but the plan uh, it comes as part of an effort to curb global overcapacity of steel and aluminum. I think this is part of the reason why you see Vale and a lot of these uh, iron ore producers in, in Australia really taking it on the chin because if this goes into effect, then that's going to bring a lot more manufacturing of steel back home domestically. And this is how I think it's going to be sold to Republicans here who typically don't like these policies, but they like domestic manufacturing. And that could, if done right, if executed well, Bring some manufacturing home. Now, they're still, still ironing out the details, and it's going to take a couple of years, I think. But it's the start of the next initiative to reduce the greenhouse emissions of 
areas that you don't realize produce so much carbon. And so they're trying to implement the program by 2025 as part of a broader deal to cut emissions by 55% by 2030 in Europe. Now, Europe currently has a cap and trade system domestically. And so it would be similar to that. Uh, Boston Consulting Group had a report said Chinese and re- Ukrainian steel made, uh, made, made steel would be to hurt the most. Efficient mills in Canada and South Korea would be helped the most. That was interesting as well. Uh, so something to keep an eye on as this evolves because it's certainly going to impact these other markets uh, that produce steel besides China and Ukraine. And it could bring some advantages to certain uh, commodity producers in other countries. Now, we'd love to get live calls, any your recorded questions as well. So let's dip into the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Ohio. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Bob from Ohio. Um, I see the rising oil prices as an opportunity to get into a gas company. Um, so I've been looking at Exxon or Chevron, or Exxon Mobil or Chevron, and I'm trying to see which one's better. I know Chevron has a little bit better of a dividend history than Exxon, but I want to see what you guys think. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, this is an easy answer, Exxon. For years, Chevron had actually performed better, uh, and one of the reasons it performed better was because natural gas prices were very low. And years ago, Exxon bought a company called XTO Energy, which was heavily focused on uh, natural gas production and fracking, and that hurt Exxon for many years. Well, now it's actually helping them, and you're starting to see Exxon outperformed because of that, because of natural gas prices, and really since well, late last year, when natural gas prices started taking off, Exxon has outperformed Chevron, and I think that will continue. Because remember, OPEC can go and increase production of oil and ship it around the world very easily. Not as much the case with natural gas. So absolutely, I'm going with Exxon over Chevron. Let's go talk to Andre in Riverside. Let's talk about gold and silver. Uh, yeah, hey, Justin. Um, so I'm actually calling about Silver Bow Resources, ticker SBOW. Okay, SBOW. SB. Oh, SBOW. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my question is actually super simple. I've I've had this uh, for for a little while now, and I know that they reported earnings. Uh, I think even just earlier today, and as I was looking at how the earnings went, I I'm seeing kind of differing reports. Some are saying that they beat estimates, and some are saying they reported loss on the uh, earnings per share. And so, feeling a little bit torn about what exactly happened, and was wondering if you could just take a quick, quick look and actually see if you see something more definitive. Okay. Well, one, one thing you have to understand when you're looking at, yeah, they did report a net loss of 36 million, but that included a net unrealized loss on the value of the company's derivative contracts of 61 million. Uh, now, what does that mean exactly? I have to dig into the details of it. Now, adjusted EBITDA was $58 million. So stripping out the, the, that, that kind of one-time cost, that's typically what adjusted EBITDA is, is you know, what are, the, what, what are the, the non-cash items? What are the one-time items that may skew the current earnings picture? Uh, if you get rid of that, what does the business do? And so adjusted EBITDA was $58 million. 
so that's really what you're looking at here. The market looks like didn't react. Uh, let me take a look at after hours. Did it uh, react much? Yeah, I don't see much movement after hours. So I think you're you're fine here. I wouldn't be too worried uh, about it. Uh, revenue growth was still up 100, uh, you know, 181 percent. It looks like was that last quarter? Yeah. Um, so I, I think you're fine. Uh, let me look at the. Uh, okay, exploration and production of oil and natural gas primarily. Okay, so that's what it is. So it's a, it's not a silver producer; it's an oil and gas company. I think you're fine here. Uh, yeah, oftentimes there can be one-off non-cash items that create a loss, um, but it's really about what is the trend of the business, not these kind of one-off uh, issues. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Next up, we will play another caller question from the Invest Talk Voice Bank. So hang on. The inflation we are now experiencing in 2021 is disturbing and eerily reminiscent of what we went through in the 1970s. So, with inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar investing in an inflationary world. This important online event is hosted by InvestTalk's Justin Klein and Steve Peasley, and it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. At this InvestTalk Wealth webinar, you'll learn about the historical precedents for inflationary periods, how various asset classes perform in rising price environments, and the best opportunities for investment when interest rates rise. The InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World, is free, but you've got to register. Go to investtalk.com, scroll down to the November 18th free webinar button, and click to register. Hi, gentlemen. I had a quick question for you regarding Global Shipping Lease Incorporated. GSL. I like it quite a bit. I'd like to purchase this. I'd like to know uh, what you think of it and what you might think might be a good buy-in point. It looks like it just uh, moved above the uh, 20-day and uh, 50-day as well. So it looks like it's in pretty good position right now. If you guys could please just let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye. All right, this is Global Ship Lease Inc. operates uh, in the container shipping industry, so clearly their business is a booming now that uh, shipping rates are trending higher and continue to. Can you, now, they, like I said, they've rolled over a bit uh, recently, and that could be a, a bit of a warning sign. And this did have a pretty decent pullback at the beginning of October to the 20-day moving average, sorry, 50-day moving average, and has been marching above it, uh, trying to break to new highs, but not there yet. Now, the MACD is showing so a bit of divergence, and that worries me a bit, uh, and the fact that shipping rates have started to to weaken here a bit. Still high, but, but, but weaken. Um, so I'm, and then I look longer term, this business has not been a great one. In fact, their shares outstanding has uh, exploded from 7 million shares in 2018 to 26 million shares trailing 12 months. They, the return equity longer term has been the negative for many years in 2015 and 18. Uh, other than that, it's been in the mid to high single digits, which is not great. And 
has struggled to have great profitability long-term, honestly, competitive industry. Now, this could be a momentum play, but I'm starting to see that momentum maybe waning. So uh, that's what you're looking at is still an uptrend. You can't argue with that. Still strength there, but you're a little late, I think, to the game. And so I would be a little hesitant on firing up here with that MACD convergence with the history of the business and you're seeing leasing rates starting to roll over a bit. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom and our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hey, it's Steve and Justin. This is Adam from Texas. I had a question about ticker symbol PFG, Papa Fox Golf. If you could tell me what you all consider the fair value and or what a good pickup price would be for this and if it would be a good purchase i'd really appreciate it thanks guys all right this is principal financial group they provide retirement savings investment and insurance products with approximately 806 billion dollars of assets under management and let's see our value is right about where it is today, uh, $69 and change. I think it's fairly valued, to be honest with you. Now, it's a good business. It's a good company. Uh, consistent cash flows, consistent return on equity in the, the high teens to low 20% range. Uh, so I like that. They have uh, been buying back shares over the past five years or so, not dramatically, but about 10% of their entire uh, shares outstanding have been retired, which is good. And it's a good, consistent business, and they will benefit from higher interest rates, higher equity prices, etc. Solid dividend that looks like they're, they've been increasing. Let's take a look here. Yep, they've been increasing pretty much every single year, uh, modest uh, payout ratio. So, I'm going to give Principal Financial Group a thumbs up. Now let's squeeze in another iTunes review question. Matt, a.k.a. Burley Awake, says, I like the mix of general advice and specific discussion. I have heard you talk about nuclear energy being key to a renewable future. I've been looking at ticker GVP. GVP, that is GSE Systems. They are a small company with exposure to nuclear from a training and solutions perspective. I'm thinking about putting some in my Roth for long term. Any insights would be great. All right. GSE Systems provides simulation software uh, to the electric utility and chemical industry. I've never heard of this name. Let me take a look here. GVP. Very small company. $30 million market cap. Super small. Revenues are declining. Earnings are negative. Yeah, I wouldn't touch this. Now, they did receive a contract from a U.S. nuclear uh, plant operator to deliver web-based thermal system monitoring. Interesting. Okay. 
uh, recently. That was in September. Yeah, technically, sorry, I'm just trying to pull up different charts and things. It's just a small name. It's hard to find good information. Technically, it's poor. Yeah, I'm passing on it. That about does it for today's show. Uh, interesting day in the markets with the, uh, you know, a bullish close, really. Uh, you can't really say anything about uh, else besides that you you had a, a dovish tapering um, and the market liked it. And you have to listen to the markets at the end of the day. It's not your opinion. Price matters. Uh, and the signals the market's giving you matter. Uh, the fact that... The small caps are leading. Um, a lot of the cyclical stocks are leading. You have industrials breaking to uh, new highs. You have uh, consumer discretionary breaking uh, to new highs. Uh, it's just really a bullish picture across the board. So that does it for today's show. This has been a episode of Invest Talk. And Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, now shy of 36 million. So get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review. Your positive ratings raise our profile and help spread the word. And if you leave a brief question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. So head over to iTunes and leave that review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.